Hey everyone, welcome back to Screenfish. My name is Julie Levac. I'm taking over the reins from Steve Norton this week, but don't worry, Steve Norton is here with us to take the meeting minutes. Uh, I have gathered uh, a group of amazing female minds to talk about women talking. We have Catherine Erskine, Miriam Ibrahim, and Jolie Featherstone. Welcome everyone. Hi. So, uh, <laughs> you don't talk, Steve. Steve. You just take the notes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's from the movie too. At one point, he says, "I think we should move on," and they're like, "You, you don't talk. Yeah. Don't you answer our questions?" You're funny. Uh, so, as mentioned, we are going to be discussing women talking today. Um, this is from award-winning uh, director and writer Sarah, uh, Sarah Pauly. Um, she not only directed this film, but she wrote the screenplay as well. It's starring Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, Rumi, uh, Rooney Mara, uh, among many others. Um, Women Talking is about an isolated religious colony uh, where it's revealed uh, that a shocking secret about the men, for years the men have been um, drugging and raping the women. Uh, the truth comes out and the women talk about their new situation and what they're going to do next to move forward. Really, I just want to start by, by asking what you all thought of this film. I, I'm happy to go first. I, I thought it was exceptionally well done. And, um, and for a, I mean, the whole, the, the book, the film basically takes place almost in its entirety with a bunch of women in a barn talking. Um, and so in our current fast paced uh, world of what we usually consume in terms of media, that's kind of slow, but it was like, it was so engrossing. Um, that I wasn't like I wasn't missing any of the the wow that comes from most of the stuff we usually watch. Mm -hmm. I did find it actually very um, stage play vibes. You can usually tell if something is based off a of stage play. It's very central to one location. Uh, this wasn't, but I bet it could be. And I'm actually I would love to see that. Is it adapted from a play? From a novel. From a novel, okay. Yeah, I would love That's to see it done as a play because, yeah, that one room aspect was really great. I honestly didn't even really notice until halfway through the films, and I turned to the person I was watching it with and was like, "There's literally only one set in this, and it's so engrossing and so fascinating that you would never have known. You feel like you're in it with them, and you're there as an observer." I loved it. I thought it was so well done. And just to give credit, the uh, the novel is by Miriam Taves. And Anne is based on true events. So while it is a fictional account, it is based on true events. I actually looked into that and I was like, okay, because you know how the movies can say based on true events and then go like eons into a different direction. I was looking into it and it was actually... Um, a group of Mennonites that I believe are called the Manitoba Mennonites group. Mm -hmm. and they were out um, in a similar situation where the men were actually doing this and a journalist went and interviewed them about it. Um, and so I think from the based on true events, that's exactly where it came from is that this was occurring and the men were doing this in um, a colony and putting it off as as they said, ghosts and 
and other things and it came out and it was a really big story so that's pretty interesting too I was I mean, shocked how recent this was mm -hmm. like it when I realized that somebody said 2010 in the film and I was like I, I thought we were decades in the past here and so it was really I mean obviously the entire thing is very sobering mm -hmm. but even more so when you hear that it is based on true events and it was in such recent past it's um unbelievable to think about yeah Jolie what did you think about it oh uh I'm I'm echoing everyone else I I absolutely loved it I thought it was so well done and and then uh as uh as has been mentioned um to be able to take something that is purely set very very uh largely in one location amongst one group of people um, talking about a very, you know, intense and very like uh, disturbing themes um, and making tough decisions for something in uh, our day and age that is almost subversive in its storytelling to to tell a story in that way. Um, I thought that Sarah Polly did an amazing job adapting it. I'm actually wearing my Sarah Polly shirt. <laughs> um, so it was, I thought she did an excellent job adapting it. Um, I'm a fan of Miriam Taves. And although unfortunately I hadn't read Women Talking, I'd read some of her uh, other books and I really loved her voice. I thought it, she has such a, a unique voice. So to be able to have the source work be written by an author who um, I I really admire then adapted by a director whom I really admire um, and then brought to life by an incredible cast um, it it really I think is um, very deserving of all the accolades that it's gotten certainly Steve what about you uh, I'm just here to make notes we perfect right <laughs> <laughs> no I was I was very impressed with it um, mainly because like you said it's it most of it is in one room mm -hmm. like it feels it feels like a play and this is <laughs> the the gender conversation that uh, that that may spark from the sentence i'm about to say um because it reminded me of 12 angry men uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not saying it's about 12 angry women but but that was what 12 angry men was it was about it was about a jury deliberating mm. um what's yeah. true and what isn't and they were stuck in this in this room until they could come to a decision and i you know even even the fact that it's 12 angry men and women talking it's like the, that alone is is you know pregnant with meaning no pun intended um, I'm just going to get myself into trouble in this one. I know what's going to happen, uh, but no, I, I thought the, the script was really well deserving of the Oscar that it got because this is a script movie, mm. you know, mm. this is a dialogue heavy driven and for, for a film to remain in, again, it's not quite one location, but it is like, it's, mm -hmm. it's certainly all on the compound, but it's not all entirely up in that barn. Um, but to have such compelling dialogue uh, from from start to finish, I thought it was very, very well done. Oh, the dialogue, the script was incredible. All I did throughout the entire movie, I was just writing down these quotes. I mean, the one-liners were beautiful and powerful. It was, it was constant. Um, Steve, I, I kind of want to take the word that you said there, anger. 
let's work with that because I, I loved watching, I wouldn't say I loved watching, you know, I was very intrigued by watching the different women and their different trauma responses, Mm -hmm. how they all dealt with what they had gone through. Um, You know, we heard that somebody in the colony, a woman in the colony had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women um, become very somber. Some of them become very angry. Some of them want revenge. Um, Some of them are scared. Some of them are angry. It's fascinating to see some of them have devices or pardon me, vices. Um, You know, the smoking, there was a whole conversation around the smoking about the anxiety attacks, things like that. I would love to hear what you guys thought about the way that that was portrayed, the different trauma responses. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go, you go. Oh, no, I I was just going to say, I think that is, um, I I think that's part of the the beauty of the story. And and again, a testament to to the screenplay itself, um, because there's so much backstory. There's an entire history that we don't really see on screen. You know, we do get snippets, we get some uh, like flashback scenes, but really we have to learn about these characters and their histories and what they've been through um, very much through um, the screenplay itself. And then as as you said, Jules, like then learning um, how they've sort of coped with this constant, you know, uh, abuse and trauma that's been in, inflicted upon them. Um, I personally thought it was really interesting um, to see kind of the the dichotomy between Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley's character mm. that are, um, you know, to me seem like, you know, the almost foils of each other in a way, but really they, they have gone through very similar uh, harrowing experiences, but externally have very different reactions to them. And yet we know that all of these women have a very rich um, inner life and, and um, sort of their innermost thoughts are not always divulged. And this is kind of the first or one of the, maybe one of the first um, meaningful experiences or opportunities that they've had to vocalize that uh, among each other. So yeah, I thought it was, it was handled with care and with respect in the screenplay, which I think was um, really important, but also just all the heavy lifting the screenplay and the actors had to do for us to really understand and care about that history. Um, And then in turn, their present kind of trauma responses and coping mechanisms that have come about because of that history. Mm -hmm. I like that you use the word vocalizing because for a lot of them, this was the first time they've really spoken about it. Mm -hmm. There really, there wasn't even uh, like, like a word for what they were experiencing. These women couldn't read or write. They were very, um, I, I, I guess, um, very sheltered in this colony. And, and they, uh, half of them didn't even, I guess, know for quite some time that this was, this was wrong and this shouldn't be happening because it was just so standard. Um, so it was fascinating to see them all come into a room and start to talk about it. And, uh, and then that's when you sort of start to see their responses to this trauma come to light especially because I thought it was really real like I would say the diversity of trauma response just was a really good connection into reality Mm -hmm. because remember that this had been happening for years and the community was gaslighting them oh it's ghosts oh it's this oh it's for years the the other thing that I um thought was actually really well done too and again so real 
uh, and true to life is so everybody responds to trauma differently and different traumas differently. But then they also had to like come up against each other's trauma responses, right? So there's the conflict and the friction of um, whether intellectually I know or understand that you're having a trauma response, your behavior right now isn't working for me. Um, and I'm, you're having to filter that through how I'm behaving, which may or may not be working for you. So I just thought it was a, there's so much complexity to that. Um, and there's a beauty in how real the portrayal was without, I guess, I feel like it would have been really easy to, to push it a little over the top. And then it would have been satirical or farcical or comical, but it wasn't like, it was really real and really grounded recognizing that it, it, I mean, these responses were fair and appropriate, but they ran the gamut and some of them were quite extreme. I think too, it speaks to like what you were saying with generational trauma, these people have been, these women have been gaslit for how long? And they were the older women who were taking that in all the way down to the younger generation. And I mean, in my job, we look at trauma response and trauma informed practice and all of that every day. And to see the way that it was portrayed was very, it was very jarring in the sense that it wasn't over-dramatized. It wasn't, like you said, like blown out of proportion. It was, these are actual real things. And it's interesting to look at how each woman, each woman was affected coming from the same colony coming from the same religious beliefs coming from being raised under the same practices these aren't women from all around the world who have had different experiences these are women who live side by side together and how they respond and how they grow and I especially looked I'm really I'll be the one on this panel that does not remember any names so I apologize in advance but um the young person who was using selective mutism as one of their trauma responses and Melvin yeah are we looking at Melvin as someone who is going through um a change emotionally physically are they in within a transgender or gender exp like gender exploring sense or are they like many women that I've seen after the events like this who create a look and a persona that would deter men from attacking them. I'm going to look more like a male person so that they don't see me as a female that they can go after or that they can kind of be attracted to. So that character really spoke to me in that sense and looking through that lens of what is a trauma response and what is just their personality and who they are as a person. Um, and having to fight through that in the most important parts, because I think we take that internalizing and that selective mutism as it can be seen as annoying to others. <laughs> and But you can't help it, even when they're trying to tell the others something important, they can't. And it really spoke to me that they became almost a protector and a spokesperson for the children, because whether or not they had gone through the trauma themselves I'm it's slipping my mind but to be able to be that protector and speak only to the innocent and speak only to the ones that they feel haven't been almost tainted like this mm -hmm. so even seeing the trauma response of the family that the mom did not want to leave mm -hmm. she said no we are staying this is where we are supposed to be we this is where we need to do our duty and stay with this 
and her fear in that but also that that does happen in so many mm-hmm. relationships so I just think it was so like yeah. you guys said so well done in so many levels you've really got me thinking about Melvin's trauma response so not only the selective mutism and the potential relationship to um uh gender identity mm-hmm. but also that the the safety of the children right so you think about like often part of our trauma responses now we're hyper vigilant because there is what was previously unknown or unseen as risk and so how do i protect myself right and so sometimes in in sexual trauma um that protection uh anyways it can take a whole bunch of forms but for melvin part of that was i'm going to be with the innocent population and that's the children because there isn't risk with the children there you're safe there and you're protected yeah. and you're accepted and i'm yes yeah and so it's kind of a neat dual relationship but then i'm also protecting mm-hmm. this this uh safe group as well right so i get to be safe with them and and the exchange for that is i help keep them safe and we talk about even trauma like arrested development when we get there like these this young person may have had a trauma at a young age and feels arrested in that age and feels that they can only respond in that way um and that they're more understood by the children in that sense too but it was just I was really drawn to that character and really drawn I mean they were all amazing Mm. but even the at the end when I mean we always say spoiler alerts but at the end um, the kids are able to be reunited because mom has let them come and at yeah. the last minute, she makes that decision. And that was so huge in her own response as well. No, I'm glad you brought up the transgender storyline because I was very fascinated by Melvin's character as well. Um, because I, I think that a lot of people would automatically assume that Melvin is, you know, changing their appearance to 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 kind of ward off that mm-hmm. that unwanted attention um but I think it was mentioned in the film that that it wasn't because of that like I think Melvin felt that outside of of the the abuse that they had been um enduring but I thought it was really fascinating that the women were very accepting of Melvin Mm -hmm. especially in a, a very strict religious colony Mm-hmm. That this was okay they they, they didn't mm-hmm. question it really at all and then at the end somebody said melvin and they said thank you for saying my name yeah you know mm-hmm. like they felt seen finally um because perhaps up until then it was like um you know humoring oh, that's, that's just melvin yeah, yeah. humoring melvin that, yeah. that's just melvin that's what they do um but i guess maybe they, they've just realized that you know, we get it now and, and that's okay. You know, that's just who Melvin is. Um, so I thought that was absolutely fascinating, but it's interesting that you were mentioning the dual purpose behind Melvin hanging out with the children all of the time. It's mm-hmm. protecting the children and maybe Melvin feels safe there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I, I just bet that they all, they've just all had their childhood stripped away, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I don't know, I guess it's just a matter of finding that safety and finding that joy wherever they can especially when they have little to no say in anything yeah is to do you're raised to be a wife there you're raised to be a worker you're raised to be a husband you're not raised with any other intent but that 
So let's talk about the men for a moment, shall we? <laughs> Which is clearly not what uh, what we're here to do. No, I'm joking. Um, I found it quite fascinating that we barely saw the men. Really, the only time we saw the men, they all were looking down. So really, the only proper male face that we see is of August. And I thought that was an interesting choice. I think it was very respectful because it wasn't about the men. Even though the men were causing all of this, it wasn't about them. Yeah. And I appreciate that they didn't put any spotlight on these characters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Except for the one who is August. And we have to talk about August, who, you know, we all love August, right? Um, I have a couple of questions with August. My first one, which is going to be a difficult one. What makes August different from all of the other men? You know, he went away and was educated. Mm. He experienced the world. He saw what was outside of what was in front of his face. And he came back with a different perspective. Had he not left, maybe he would have become just like the others. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think it is, though, that had that had the women so it's very consistent with the book right in the book really the only male that's identified is august um because the men are all away right during this this period of time the ones that were arrested the other ones have taken all the money to go and get the other the the perpetrators out of jail basically um but but it, i do wonder we see that perspective of august because we're seeing it from the outside and we're seeing the whole story but as the women having this experience what do you think it was that that for them made August safe so that he could be in that barn with them and taking the minutes for them? I mean, they didn't let him speak up. Uh, Steve kind of made that joke earlier, right? No, you're just taking minutes. Don't, don't give us your opinion. But um, what do you think it like? But they, they still like he was safe for them. So they invited him into that forum with them. And I, I don't know that I know the answer like to what what it was that that triggered that for them so that they could bring him in. Sure. I, I think that's a very fascinating question and I'm not sure either, but he, he clearly does have that very calm, safe demeanor to him. And, um, and I think there's, there's definitely a level of trust because he's the teacher of a lot of their sons. Um, and perhaps, you know, they've seen him work. Um, but yeah, what, what was it that made them, because he could have easily just said, absolutely not and go and kind of told on them told the men what they were planning you know and and so not only what was it that made the women trust him but what was it that made him um kind of be aligned with the women as opposed to the men you know he's just a different a different kind of Person. He spoke up. He agreed. He sure. openly agreed with the women. He is a teacher, but he's also, I feel like he was like Switzerland, you know, because he was a male, but it, he was a cultured and learned person. And they could, he would be able to debate with them both sides. And he showed great respect with towards them. He showed that he could, you know, sit and listen and I don't know if it happened in the book, but I'm just thinking about the only other time we saw a male in this movie was when um, the one woman's husband comes back. And mm -hmm. of course she's beaten very severely by this person. And we see the fear in them that they didn't have with um, what was his name? August. August. 
And you know what, to be honest, from what I saw, he, he appeared meek. He appeared, um, a smaller, not a smaller man, but like, he was like a thinner guy. He was, you know, a bookish person. He wasn't the ones who went out and worked in the field as, and then came home and beat their wives. And he wasn't attached either. Mm. He had a, he had someone he was interested in, but he didn't have that wife and family and that buy-in that the others did in my opinion. There's also um, a reference um, to his mom being sort of questioning the doctrine yes. of the community, questioning like the methods and kind of like the oppression within the community. And I, I remember thinking during the movie, I'm like, oh, I want a, a movie about his mom and her yeah. life after this or like a book because I was so fascinated by that because um, it is kind of a, a quick mention, but you can tell just when they talk about his mom, there's so much weight given to her name or, or to her memory. Um, and they sort of mentioned that she sort of sort of questioned different thought processes in the community and question sort of like these like gender roles and, and the way people are kind of like the gender expectations, um, which you kind of have to wonder if that's part of the reason why he he went away to school and you know um, got that education and um, was able to kind of explore the world and explore different perspectives because he as you mentioned there there's like that both nature and nurture at play there like he personality wise he seems to be like kind of a humble person and a calmer kind of more uh internal sort of person um but then there's that that in the the nurture part where it seems like he was surrounded by people or at least by uh his mom who um maybe encouraged or fostered that ability to be open-minded and to and to you know question things and do what you feel is right um so yeah I I I think that there's a lot there even though it's a, a brief mention there's so much weight given to her memory that I feel like she might have played a big part in in his life and also it sounded like even the lives of the other women mm -hmm. in the community because they also kind of mentioned her with with respect so um yeah I maybe one day we'll get a book about her mm -hmm. I think you nailed it on the head he was he had their trust because he had been vouched for by a woman that right. they really respected yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they watched him grow up with her. So she basically gave her a okay for him to be there. Definitely. And I think it's, you know, it kind of makes sense in a way. Like if even it, as, as uh, someone mentioned earlier, like this film, it, it's almost timeless in the sense that it, it could, it seems like it could be from so many different eras and really it's set in, like not that long ago um mm -hmm. but it's true even to this day like when you're meeting someone new um especially if if it's a man sorry Steve <laughs> when you know that they have like close if they have close relationships with the women in their family or, or female friends that are like yeah this guy's cool like you know he can hang <laughs> you're like okay that's good like I know that he's like a cool person um whereas like if you I don't know sometimes it can be a little bit of a red flag if they don't have like healthy relationships with many women as well so there's definitely I think something to that point <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah totally. it is unfortunately timeless this piece because even in today's society where you know ideally on a daily basis we don't necessarily struggle at least you know here we're we're probably privileged more privileged than than lots of women in the world 
but we we do still have to kind of trust our gut with a lot of people because um there there are still i'll say men mostly who who are overly aggressive and um disrespectful so it's it's interesting it's it's definitely a sobering piece I, and i think we certainly we certainly live with a lot a lot of privilege uh um that other other women may not have but i think that underlying fear of physical and sexual violence never actually leaves a woman um and i i remember uh the beginnings or middle of the me too movement reading a story about um a seminar a uh, person delivering a seminar and was really trying to get that point across that like as women however subconscious it is we always have that certain level of diligence around safety mm-hmm. and so uh, just you know took a piece of chart paper drew a line down the middle one side for men one side for women and said um okay men uh you are um at the mall you're the last one out your car's in the in the parking lot what do you think about as you walk to the as you walk to your car and it was like i walked to my car and unlocked the car and get in like it was a really one line simple piece and then he asked the women in the audience what do you do and the list of make sure i park under a light have my keys out look around like the so and we do it automatically crossbody my purse so that somebody can't grab it like every action um, and, and in the story, like the, the men in the audience just never considered that somebody had to think that much about walking from, you know, the door of a building to the door of their car. And so I think that that underlying piece around violence, safety, sexual violence, like it never really, we're brought up with it, we're taught it, but it never leaves us like that fear sits with us at some level, I feel like all the time. Even harder is the gaslighting. These yeah. women and children knew something was happening to them. They knew, and they and it wasn't until they were caught that they were able to convince these whole this whole community of women that they were it was ghosts or aliens or something else. And to have that trauma, that physical trauma of, against your body, and then having the mental trauma of a being drugged, so having a very unclear understanding of what happened, and b an entire colony of people telling you that it's it's in your head to live with that for so many years I think of the older women who were sitting in that barn who must have gone through it for so long and had so many their sisters their mothers their grandparents the grandmothers have it all happen and to think there were women that passed before them that never found out and never got that healing and never got that ability to make those walks so it was just so powerful in so many ways when they walked away and they actually did it you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for everyone and it it broke me that they didn't take August I'm gonna say that but like I understood I understood why they couldn't but to see him and his trauma at being left behind it's just so terrible I love August was oh sorry Julie no no go ahead go ahead no I was just gonna go on to the next point so please feel free Oh, I was just going to mention, I, I love how you mentioned the ending. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> with uh, August staying behind and then in that moment, like, I don't know, uh, uh, as someone who read the book, you probably saw it coming, Miriam, but I was surprised in that moment when you see he, you know, had a plan to, you know, potentially take his own life. And I was surprised in that moment. And yet at the same time, 
yeah. also not surprised because you can kind of understand like the the trauma and the shame and the guilt because ultimately like August is also a, a victim of the oppression that happens and the violence that happens in this community he obviously does have sort of a place of privilege like being a fellow like cis white male among the men in the community um and even just like structurally you get a sense from the 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 belief system that men are somewhat more revered than women in the community so he does come from a place of privilege but he is still a victim of the patriarchy and, and the oppression that happens there and I really love that line um I forget which character says it to him but it's like you have an important job like mm -hmm that's a lot on your shoulders and we recognize that, but we need you to stand strong in that job because um, just as uh, the women make that choice. And oh, I totally, I agree with you, Catherine, like when you see like they're all the carriages like pulling out, it's just, oh, it like gives you shivers. Um, and then, so they're kind of breaking that chain of intergenerational trauma. He's also in a position to break that chain of generational trauma in the position of being an educator and being a man in this community. So yeah, they both, um, he does have a tough job on his shoulders, but, you know, I think we come to, to love and, and respect August for taking like the path of, of goodness and justice. And even though it is tough and even though it is scary, um, and also admiring the women in the community for taking a step that is completely terrifying, especially for people that don't have the means to read or write. Um, I would imagine don't have a lot of financial resources um, and have very limited education to be able to take that step. It's truly like breaking a line in that chain of trauma going down all these generations. And it kind of, something you said kind of made me think, Jules, how you said earlier, like we don't actually kind of up close and personal see any of the men in the community only other than August. Um, and I feel like that was such a deliberate choice because it's sort of like, it's sort of saying like all it's, it's not about men individually being bad or men individually are violent people. It's sort of like, no, like systematically mm -hmm. men being put in positions of power and being unchallenged and living in a, a patriarchal society where everything like ladders up to that and supports that it can be very damaging system for everyone, for men and women as well. So I kind of feel like the fact that we often see them in groups, like we see the mm -hmm. young boys and we also see the older men walking together. Like it's, they're always kind of shown collectively and kind of faceless. So it's sort of, I thought that was a very like interesting choice that um, Sarah Polly had to kind of show it more in like a, like a collective or systemic um, like way of, of violence. Mm -hmm. It, it yeah it's interesting too because the one of the differences between the book and the uh film is that in the book august is the narrator mm, that's the, the story yeah august is the narrator and the story is told basically it's him narrating via the minutes that he's taking of the meeting mm, wow oh that's so that's such a different perspective that's so yeah. interesting yeah but i like but that I they like, went another way me too. I was going to say what I like about the um, the film is that that increases the women's power because they're telling their own story. Mm -hmm. Something that I really loved among the many things I loved about how this film was made was how it allowed so many different women to vocalize like 
their perspectives and their experience. We have women of very different age ranges. Like, I think it's incredible that we see like the mothers and the grandmothers speaking about their experiences and bringing their perspectives. And then we see, um, and then on the other end, we see like the young, the young kids who are running around and playing while this super harrowing conversation is taking place in this super massive decision that will impact the rest of their life is happening but they're still kids and they're still finding ways to find joy and play in the day and you know fall down and sprain ankles and things like that like just kids being kids amongst all of this uh all of these conversations happening among women of very different ages very different perspectives um yeah I just think that's that's such a, a beauty of the film and it's I, I'm sure if we like boiled it down to screen time, there there are some that are maybe platformed more than others, but it did feel like all of them got equal kind of um, weight given to their role and into their character's perspective in a way. Yeah, and each voice was valued. Like, I think that's one of the really powerful things about the women talking is it was really clear, for, like from the get-go, okay, here's what we're here to figure out. We have a decision to make. We have three options. And, and um, despite some of the angrier voices being a little bit of like, how can any of you believe differently than I believe and you need to align with me, but every voice was valued. So everybody got a chance to speak and, and each was valued and weighed as opposed to discarded. You're just angry, stop talking. You're just a kid, you don't know what you're talking about. Like every voice was valued. I love that. Even the vote at the beginning, I think, I don't know if it was in the blurb, it was described as a radical act of democracy. And I love that description because yeah, that that it from what we understand or from what I understood in the movie, it sounded like a vote of that nature where it's literally everyone is welcome to come and cast their vote is maybe not the norm in that community. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it literally is made like front and center here, we have a whole group of people that don't necessarily even have the tools to read and write, and they were still able to find a way to make a democratic process and make a way that everyone could vote and, you know, understand the choices and pick, and pick which one they felt most aligned with. Like, it really is a, a radical act of democracy is the blurb said. I love that description. Even yeah. the young people were able to vote. You could see that the children were voting themselves as well, and that was so powerful too because they're given voices that their mothers were not given mm-hmm. and they're given that voice because unfortunately even the children are experiencing this trauma exactly. mm-hmm. so they learned to vote absolutely every female voice was important in that moment and and not just the ones who were angry and wanting to leave wanting to fight wanting to become murderers because of this people like Frances McDormand who were saying want less Mm -hmm. just like this is just the life and that's just how it is want less Mm -hmm. and they knew even though this is all that they know they knew fundamentally that that it was wrong they called it an act of wild female imagination Mm -hmm. so i thought that was absolutely fascinating yeah, wow. It, it, truly, it is such a heavy topic, um, and there there really is a lot to unpack. Right off the bat, I went into watching this film without knowing very much about it. I hadn't read the book, um, and so the very first scene um, where I believe it's Rooney Mara 
you see that she she wakes up and she's bruised and she calls for her mother and she says i actually had to rewind it because she says it very softly very calmly she says again mm-hmm. so it, it, it's just right off the bat you're like wait is this what i think it is like is this what's happening okay like because i didn't really know much about the film going into it mm. i had to kind of do a double take um so it's um yeah it's an absolutely unbelievable story and uh you know you could very easily get emotional about this one mm-hmm. let's go back to august for one moment and it kind of makes a little bit more sense now that you've discussed the the book and how the book is based more uh, from August's point of view, from the minutes that he was taking at the meeting. But why do you think the women felt it necessary to have minutes for this meeting? Simply because they can't read or write. And at the end of the film, they don't take the minutes with them. They leave it with August. Um, wh- why were the minutes so important in this situation? It's their history books. We won't be able to read them, but our children will. I believe that is said in the, in that, and even maybe they leave them for the men and for the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll carry that with them. They'll have their children write their story for them. But I feel like there is like twofold. There's a visual. There's an there's this amazing, almost like rebellion that they're writing stuff down because even if it's through another person because they've never been able to do that they've never you know the, even when they say that they're looking through the writing and asking what does this say or or what did you put here it's that act of independence and it's that act of creating a history and a log for those that come after them and I think that we've been doing that since hieroglyphics and cave drawings in the sense that since the dawn of time we wanted our history recorded and theirs is just as deserving yeah in the world of work work. that's Mm -hmm. the important work that they that Claire Foy said that August needed to do yes teach this to our sons that aren't coming with us you know what I mean yeah yeah it's interesting in the world of work there's that little kind of rule that you know if it isn't written down it didn't happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I think there's a little bit of that too right is um they didn't want (laughs) right but they also didn't want any lack of clarity on like the men come back and the 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 community is abandoned. And I think part of it was them wanting to be very clear that this was an intentional action. It was based on um, consensus-driven uh, decision-making. And this is the consequence of what has happened. And this is the action we've taken as a result. That makes so and much they- sense too, because you're like you're saying, like, they could say like what they've been gaslighting with all the women like it's all in your head you're just being crazy this and this and this that leaving that there is basically a giant middle finger and like we did this we're doing this and you're not necessary yeah and 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 you will no longer be able to say the reasons were different than what our reasons actually are Mm -hmm. i love that the whole thing is kind of um a lesson and also to kind of improve the lives of the next generation. You know, one of the women said, um, 
is this how we want to teach our daughters to defend themselves? Do you know what I mean? Like that, like not only was it a massive decision for them in that moment, but it's a, it's a decision for generations to come because we've already seen that this trauma has gone through these generations and it's going to continue to happen because their, their sons are being taught that this mm-hmm. is normal. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it was a big, uh, a big decision. And I think, I think that, yeah, you're right. It is certainly their history books. It has to be. You, you do bring up an interesting point, Julie, that, that I kind of played around with in my head a little bit now in all fairness, I'm also on a policy committee and we were talking about ages and policy committee too. So there's a bit of overlap here, but that whole discussion they had around which children they take with them. Mm-hmm. No, we can't take the 14 year old boys. Okay. We can take the 13 year old boys, but, but, but what about my, like just figuring out that arbitrary line of, yes, you get to come with us. You're still counted as innocent and safe and no, you're officially counted in the, in the men category. And so you can't, and that whole debate and discussion they just had around like wh- what which boys can we take with us um and which have to stay behind like it just i just found super fascinating weirdly it reminded me of my time growing up in the catholic church where if you were under 12 you didn't it, it's this weird rule that where if you were under 12 and you passed away say as a child and you weren't baptized you were instantly going to heaven because you were still pu- you were still pure and innocent and then anything after 12 is seen as becoming like a man and becoming an, I don't know why it brought back that religion, yeah. like I, rhetoric in my Yeah, yeah. But it makes me wonder like why 12? Who just, what is it about yeah. 12 to 13 that religious? makes that the line, right? Yeah. yeah. Was it based on their beliefs or was it based on like, yeah, like what their malleability and like their minds as well? I love, I wanted to mention with the history books too, I love that it wasn't just the minutes. They had the young girls sit there and sketch mm-hmm. everything that happened. So not only did they have the minutes, they had a visual log as well of who they were and what they were doing and what was happening at that time. The whole thing really is very groundbreaking and powerful and not just from the perspective of the people in this colony, but for women in general. Um, what I really loved is when August taught uh, Rooney Mara's character how to do the, um, was it called galactic navigation? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was yeah. called? But then when she went and taught that to the other women, cinematically, they show a shot of just the fists in the sky just the fists of all the women in the sky and I thought that was like like it was just so powerful and then when you think about the final scene not of the baby but but them leaving the town uh it to me you know it could have felt very sad like they were giving up but it was such a powerful scene. It was almost like a parade, like a protest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was was incredibly well mm-hmm. done. And the amount of them that were there too, it wasn't just, and they were not doing this in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness and hiding. They were standing very tall and in the middle of the, you know, as the sun came up, but it was not done in a way that was hidden or or scared. They, they knew what they were doing. They had everything together and they were going. I still think it was a little bit scared, but I think that fear was wise, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they needed it to go before the men came back. They, mm-hmm. they knew that that had to happen, right? Like if they were leaving, they had to leave before the men came back. 
I just love that it was light out. I don't know why. I just loved that that procession happened, A, at the dawning of a new day, and B, not hidden. Mm-hmm. In the liberating. sense that the men were not there, you're right. But like it was done like, it's time we're going, and this is when we're doing it. But they were not far off. I mean, we know that um, they could have come any. Was it was I think it was Jesse Buckley's husband mm-hmm. was was at home. He had just beaten mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's. Uh, I thought it was also very fascinating to see how many there were because certainly mm-hmm. there's only there's only a handful of them in the barn, and they all got a chance to vote. But they're not all necessarily part of the logistic discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing them all and then, yeah, you're right. You know, when, when Francis McDormand's daughters came out and were reunited with their friends, I thought that was, I, f- I found her character very interesting. Actually, just in general, you would assume that Francis would be in, in more of the movie. She was in such a sliver of it, but mm-hmm. her, um, I think her character was really important because it, it showed a little bit more of, of the older, not necessarily the older generation, but the people who are who are too scared to run or who um, don't see any sort of life outside of that colony. Um, And I guess it might be a good time to talk a little bit more about the religious aspect of the film and, and forgiveness. Forgiveness, I think is a big, um, a big thing here because uh, obviously, I mean, some of the women we're forgiving the men simply because that's kind of what they had to do. This is just how they had to live. And they didn't that's think how they you get to heaven. certainly. Yes. So that's, <laughs> so that's the thing. The forgiveness is how you get into the kingdom of heaven. And then if you're disobeying or even having these thoughts of leaving or fighting, you know, you're, you're kind of out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was one amazing quote is forgiveness that's forced upon us true forgiveness i mm-hmm. love that quote it really yeah. so i'd love to hear what you guys think about that i think it's also interesting in that it just speaks to the way that women are raised and i think mm-hmm. probably even more so um in this kind of community right like and uh i think about what's the expression from the um keep sweet yes how did you know that's what I was thinking about yeah it was exactly what I was thinking too keep sweet yeah like it's just like women are raised to not take up space to not be argumentative to not disagree to always be accommodating to right and so part of that like well you have to forgive because that's just what you do and that's how you keep sweet and that's like it's just so religion aside it's so in keeping with and then I think religion becomes the I don't know, the extra pound that's put on that says here, here's the, you know, 10 more reasons why this, this has to be um, the way that you behave and interact. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm with you too. That line was just so powerful. Like if you're telling me I have to, and I do it because you're telling me I have to, but I don't really mean it, then is it really what it is? It's so funny because we talk about stuff like that even in our schools today, like with my kids. I just had a conversation today that said, you know, there was an argument between two students and they got angry at each other and then we were talking it out and we were working through it. And I said to them, I am never going to force you to apologize because I don't believe in forced apologies because they're not real apologies. You need to take time and you need to think about this. And I strongly encourage you but I'm never going to force someone to say you need to like to say sorry because it's not not real. You're just being and It's just like that forgiveness thing. Like is forgiveness really forgiveness? If, if you're forced to it, if, if the eternal 
life is held over your head and it isn't yeah. it, it isn't it's true that that isn't that is not the uh <laughs> not, not the keys to the kingdom but but i do the, the one counter argument i'll make i i think so not that i believe forgiveness should be forced i think the power in forgiveness though is for the person doing the forgiving mm-hmm. not for the person being forgiven and and i've heard this expression and i use it a lot but i love it is that when you choose not to forgive somebody or when you choose to hold a grudge or when you choose to like hold that um, enmity within you, it's like you drink the poison and you're expecting your the other person to die. Yeah. Like the, the negative effects are with you, not with the person who wronged you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that would be, just be the counter argument for forgiveness is no, it shouldn't be forced upon you, but the benefits and the value of it are for you, not for the person you're forgiving. And I feel like that's a, that goes exactly with what they did. You know, it's, it's the whole old adage for I'll forgive, but I never forget. You're not holding on to that grudge. Like you're forgiving that person and, and releasing that, that poison, but you're not staying around. You're going to take that with you and you're going to take that learning with you. I think. Yeah. I think what there's so much about like the, the discussion around forgiveness and even tying to, as you mentioned them, like leaving during the day, like. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a pragmatic and strategic time to leave that they knew that they obviously wanted to avoid further violence and further oppression by leaving before the men came back. But going at the start of the day is a pragmatic choice, but there's also, I think it just like storytelling wise, like it sort of um, shows that this was such an intentional decision, just as forgiveness should be like an intentional thing that you process and you work through and you intentionally give as opposed to having it be you know sort of forced upon you or sort or indirectly forced upon you by saying well you know what you're not going to be absolved you're not going to reach heaven if you don't you know what I mean that's it's still sort of forcing someone's hand in a way as opposed to forgiveness being an act of intention and, and, and a true like embodied act. Um, so yeah, I think that was um, such a, an interesting thing. And like you said, Catherine, that that adage, it definitely, I thought it, it it fits quite a lot with this because they are forgiving in a way, like they're not, they're not even seeking further action or, or, or any like judicial action against these people who have very much wronged them and have wronged them many a time, but they're saying, okay, I can, I can forgive that, but for the sake of my safety and for the sake of my peace and the next generation's safety and peace, I'm going to remove myself from this abusive situation and try to intentionally start a new way of life. Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think the more I think about this movie, the more I love it. <laughs> I think I have to watch it again. Me too. I was just thinking the same yeah. thing. There's just too many, I mean, it, it is a, obviously a very serious and heavy movie, but there's just so many, like I said, good, good quotes, good one-liners, good lessons. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I definitely could, think it's worth I watching. feel like you could sit and watch it again and look at a different character each time you watch it. Yes, that's like, a fascinating when I, idea. When I think about um, the one young person, that the character that we were talking about, um, the transgendered young person, his, their Melvin. name Melvin. Melvin. Even looking at that, like as I started, I was like, "Is this a trauma response? Is this their um, gender identity? Is this what's happening here? What's going on with that selective mutism in the kids?" When you, you were talking about 
them being in the field and playing with all of the young children, it threw me right back into um, one of the books that put me into the career that I am today, which was Catcher in the Rye and maintaining that innocence running back and forth across the field the kids couldn't see the ledge that they were going to fall off into which was their loss of innocence but Melvin's in that field with them doing that but I really think you could take a look at each character every time you watch this and and see and learn something new yeah because the cast was really like a chorus it wasn't like a couple of main players and and more some some kind of background singers no it was it was about all of them combined i think that they represented that really well um in an effort to kind of move the discussion toward moving forward you can't really talk about moving forward without talking about ruth and cheryl the horse duo mm-hmm. um i thought it was so fascinating that these like deep, meaningful le- life lessons were were from these horses. Um, I thought it was so fascinating. If you if you want the path to stay straight, you have to look forward. Don't look right in front of you. Things like that. I mean, I love Ruth and Cheryl. I want more of their lessons in my life. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> you brought that up because I forgot about Ruth and Cheryl. I How did I forget too. about Ruth and Cheryl? <laughs> And even when you first said it, I was like, there were characters named Ruth and Cheryl. Oh, right, the horses. <laughs> when she first said, like, when I think we we hear them say their names a couple of times before we actually get the flashback scene. Mm. And I kept thinking, like, Ruth and Cheryl, like, who are these ladies? Like, I thought they were, like, like other humans in the in the yeah. community. And then when they showed their horses, I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's amazing. But... Yeah, I thought it was just so, like you said, Jules, it was so beautiful because it was so, impact. it was so impactive or impactful, impactive, I don't think impactive is a word. It was so impactful in how natural it was, you know, kind of just showing like, just in, it was so simplistic and natural, these lessons that could be extrapolated from these situations she's seen or or observed her horses experiencing like there's just then the way that she spoke about them was so loving like it was such a loving caring tone yeah right like it was it truly like those I found were some of the most like um I don't want to say heartwarming in like a diminutive way but like there was there was something so beautiful in the love and care in which she spoke about Ruth and Cheryl. Um, and you can just see the the respect that she has for them as fellow living creatures. Um, she never kind of speaks about them in a, in a dismissive sense or all oh, their animals, their beasts or whatever, but she speaks about them as being their own sentient beings with their own kind of reactions to the world around them. So yeah, there was just something so beautiful about those those moments. And, and it was, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Miriam, go. All I was going to say is it's also interesting that their the husband coming back and the and their 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 imminent departure and sale became the catalyst for we need, we can't keep talking we have to act now. Mm-hmm. Like it was an interesting. That's such a good point. I forgot about that, but yeah, like that that was it. You could kind of see for for that lady who owned Ruth and Cheryl like that was a safe space to her like those two horses were family to her they were a a safe connect connection that she had and to have that be so like so threatened in such a 
like crude way it was it was clearly like okay no no this is never gonna change and like they're seeing any way that they can the this group can exert power it's they're going to take it kind of thing it goes to show too like it it's just like these subtle th- I just think she did this movie so well on so many different levels but even with that like learning in the everyday moments learning to release control to mm-hmm. release fear and to let let yourself trust like trust yourself and trust the and I will say people but obviously they were horses like those horses are powerful beings mm-hmm. they could throw her they could kill her and so it's natural to be anxious and weaving and and making that extra seat looking for the potholes ahead of the road that are going to swerve them off but staying in a controlled in a controlled manner that also releases it at the same time and and learning that in the everyday that these women were so much further ahead than they even knew they were or thought they were I I I honestly I loved the fact that that we were getting these profound lessons from those simple everyday things because these women are uh, not stereotypically educated, uh, very sheltered, very uh, influenced by the colony that they live in. So they are taking these these kind of more simple everyday actions and and learning from them. And I think that it's very um, inspiring actually because you can learn from from anything and you can take a lesson from anything and really just kind of humble humble yourself um and and be open to receiving those those words of wisdom i guess you could say it's it's, sorry no go for it open to being led to what you need to learn love that led right yeah I was just gonna like you really got me thinking Julie about like uh, depriving women of education which happens all over the world is a very intentional act of oppression Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they're not educated they can't read or write they probably don't have their own money right they um, don't have the right to make their own decisions in this particular community and despite uh, they've been you know experienced gaslighting for uh in the real world events, it was five years. So I don't know if the the movie was supposed to be the same period of time, but for you know a, a pretty extended period of time, and yet, in I guess I guess the 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 beauty of it is, you just you can't hold us down. Like no matter how hard you try, okay. So I don't have book learning, but um, look at everything the wisdom that I had in just interacting with my horses. And, and, the, and the wisdom that I could then bring to my community of women that we could all learn from and take action on, you know, like it just, it, it just hit me how powerful that is, despite like the, the layers of oppressive experiences and intentional oppressive actions, the spirit of these women and their ability to overcome that wasn't broken. And how, you're right, like how incredibly respected and smart there like what you said they all got a chance to vote but they had the three families that they believed were going to be their leader and for like for them to be able to do this over I believe it was one night and to rally all of the women and gather what they needed they didn't do this like I want to say half-assed but you know like they didn't do this half-assed this was planned this was orchestrated this was and they knew what they needed. They knew how much they needed. It, 
these women had so much power in them and really could have run those men off of (laughs) off of the colony if they had come down to it if it came down to that but the power that you hold when you allow yourself to not be afraid to use that and to have the support of the women around you or the people that you surround yourself with the amount of respect and and power and emotion that went into all of it was just so well done I'm so like it was so well done Miriam Catherine I just want to like snaps like these there's like multiple mic drop moments in the last two minutes so like I oh, I am so just my heart is full from this conversation I feel like I'm gonna take so much away from this conversation but yeah I love like in in, in everything that you've said like something that stood out to me too which I think connects to to you both as well is um like the importance of community care and like mm-hmm. as you said like there's layers of oppression here and yet there's this community is still able to survive and indeed hopefully thrive um, through intentional community care and um, yeah like that's you just see community care kind of shown in so many different ways in the film like whether it's through um, having like a completely open vote and having everyone vote um, having like nominated families that are like intentionally nominated families who are making these decisions and and handling like almost like a steering committee handling like the logistics um and then even like in a very pragmatic sense like getting the um like the the carriages going like people are kind of just like rushing out with whatever supplies they have people are sharing supplies people are welcoming family members who maybe uh, for example like Francis McDormand's family who Frances McDormand's character sort of like resigned herself to this and maybe doesn't support her family going away, but these folks chose to go and they're welcomed and and willingly like t- um, accepted by the 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 crowd of people leaving. Like I think there's just so much about community care in this film that's so important and um, yeah, like even amidst oppressive forces, it's sort of like if there is active and intentional community care people can still rise above that and can still find ways to like take action in their own lives it reminds me of what's going on around the world and in iran even right now with the women who are banding together and these young people who are coming together on tiktok and and making these outward protests and supporting each other all over the world even as we're living in it right now it they have the community, if you have the community, like they say, it takes a village, but like, if you have the community and you have the, the want and the drive, these women, like the women of Iran, the women, the young people out there right now, they are crushing it. And they are not, they are like this, these women in the barn and they are just, they're done. And it's amazing to see that it's, it speaks, like you said, it's a generational movie that could speak for so many yeah, and having Absolutely. that like like strength in numbers, not even just in like like a in like a physical force way, but even just like in a in a men- from a mental perspective, like knowing I can fall upon my community and I know mm-hmm. that they will validate my perspective on this and they'll validate the actions I'm taking for my own peace or my my own safety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like knowing that you have that 
like numbers of people supporting you and validating that I, I think can be so empowering which is why that written history was so important mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. absolutely never happen again and say what you want about TikTok, right you know <laughs> everybody's got their own opinions but what they're doing is exactly what the women did in this in mm -hmm. this film which is using what they have do you know mm -hmm. what i mean y using what they know to make a difference exactly so it's fascinating absolutely and getting the the word out that you're not alone like even if you think of the stuff that was happening in ukraine like stuff you would never know about that was happening yes. it's voices are being lifted everywhere and this movie is an excellent like an excellent representation of that Fantastic. Well, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, but uh, I think I have to ask um, screen it or skip it. Screen it or skip it. Screen it. I think it's important to know if you're going to watch this movie that there is an if you have your own trauma that you're carrying to be aware that there is trauma in this. There is very charged topics that will bring stuff up for you maybe that you wouldn't even think of until you watch it but I will say that the actors and everyone involved in this movie have taken that with such care and humility and have brought it in a sense that it is not sensationalized it is not graphic it is not um it's not exploitative it's not exploitative yeah. thank you that is actually what I was thinking there is trauma there is real feelings that will be felt and you need to just remember to have self-care if you're going into it but if you can I would 100% screen it such a good trigger warning Catherine such a good call out yeah and yeah no I I'm glad that that and both of you said that at different points like yeah that that is I couldn't even articulate it till now but yeah it it doesn't feel exploitative like a lot of films where you feel they're sort of cashing in on real trauma real people's lived experiences for the views, for the awards, for the reactions. Um, but this film to me, it seemed like it was very intentionally handled with compassion and intentionally handled with care. Um, I definitely screen it. Um, if you can watch it, um, if, yeah, definitely, I think it's a good call, Catherine, that it's a film that I think benefits uh, being in a certain mindset and for certain people it may not be um, like healthy or, or good for them to watch at that particular time but if someone feels um, open to it or capable of, of, of processing it at that time definitely screen it. Um, I myself had been trying to go see it in theaters since tip and it just like never worked with my work I did schedule. too I, oh, it, I'm so and I really wanted to go and like support it in theaters um I ended up renting it on right. the Cineplex website right and you know what I'm I still wish I could see it in theaters and if it ever comes back to theaters I will definitely go I'll make a point but I all, I quite liked like when I rented it from the Cineplex website and watching it at home like right. you know I turned all the lights off I made sure okay I'm not doing anything else for the rest of the night I want to fully process and, and be present for this film um, so I think whether it's in a theater or if it's at home just kind of give yourself a space that you can feel like peaceful in and feel that you can kind of give yourself the time to process it and, and take it um, yeah yeah 
But that's so- another really, really great call out. I also watched it at home and not in theaters, but yeah. that was a safer space for me to watch it because mm-hmm. the, the content is quite charged. And so I appreciated that I didn't have to handle or experience the energy of the people around me mm-hmm. in my own processing of it or be concerned about the energy I was giving off um, in, in watching it too. So actually, and I'm a very extroverted person, but I was really happy that I watched it by myself. (laughs) I think that's very smart of you to kind of, especially with films that are so sensitive, think about where you're going to watch it, um, how you're going to watch it, when you're going to watch it. I think that's very important. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I completely agree. I think this is a fantastic and very important story to uh to be told and to hear and to learn from um i think that it was done very respectfully i really appreciate that it wasn't kind of you know they didn't they didn't put that hollywood flair on it you know what i mean it was it was very real and i appreciated that they showed the different responses of all the different women how they all coped with it or didn't cope with it um so so that was that was very uh, appreciated I, I thought it was fantastic, and I think that you should watch it. Steve, would you like a go at it, or do you, like I don't know if you want me to specifically your like the speak. male perspective, or <laughs> or if you want to stay in the background a little bit. What are you asking? I'm not sure. <laughs> what do you think about it as a guy, though? Like from a male perspective, a cis white hetero male, like what did you think about it? Honestly, not even being silly. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. And I, and, um, you guys, honestly, hearing the, me sitting to the sidelines on this one, I'm so glad. Like, this is my, my role here was to listen. I wanted to listen. I, I wanted, uh, thank you, Julie, for hosting. And thank you all for, for doing this because. I thought the film was excellent. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I trust August. <laughs> I did think that sometimes too. I was like, hmm, but then I came around. I, I, I mentioned I, this to Steve. I, I said, you know, I'm concerned about August's emotions because yeah. I don't know, is he emotional because he's in love with this woman and he's upset that she's leaving? There, there was certainly a level of guilt to August. And I didn't know if the, if the guilt was on behalf of, you know, all of the males in the colony, or if perhaps he had participated in some of these actions in the past, because that's what he had been taught to do. Um, there were definitely parts of me that assumed that the Hollywood flair would come out and they would say that, you know, Ola is pregnant with August's baby. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so from like, the from the book, which I don't know was as articulated in the film, um, August's family was excommunicated, and he just recently came back. Yeah, he so he he doesn't fit the timeline of having even been there sure. when this was happening. Yeah. Sorry, Steve, I I hijacked your <laughs> your thought oh. there. No, I, I you know it's funny the what you say there. I said uh, I think it's yes to both questions. I think there's and as a man i think that many men oh carry shame with them and are looking for ways to be better 
uh, or at least I hope they are. Um, and I, I felt August was personally, I felt August may have been an example of that. I don't know what he, I, I can't speak to whether or not he did anything, but I think every man has a certain, myself included, has a certain level of toxicity within us that we're, God willing, trying to work out. Um, and I, I, you know, so it, it, this, this is a sort of film that for me is about listening more than speaking about, um, which is why I've been so thrilled to have you, you four here, uh, just listening to the four of you. Um, because this is a very multi-layered story and at different points of the film, I agreed with everybody. Um, and I, 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 it's funny. I was just looking at the screen about how long you've known each of us. I'm on the screen. Like, Is it on our screen? Like, I'm just looking, <laughs> no, I'm just looking at the women that are oh. here and how long we have known. I'm like, does it come and... up in the corner? Wait. No. <laughs> but just like, you know, us as individuals and as a collective, and it's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. To be like, I don't know, for you to have us all together like this, to be able to talk and share about it. I consider it a privilege that you all have stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You're stuck with us, Steve. Hey. You can't get rid of us that easily. We haven't right? left you in a barn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real secret to women talking. They were ditching August. That's what <laughs> no, you, no, stay you here and teach them. That's what you should do. Yeah, yeah. Just stay here, August. Just, just right there. <laughs> What's that over there, August? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say I like I I do I, when you said I don't don't know if I trust August because I hadn't necessarily um, like I, I never really I don't think I had a point where I was like mm, I don't trust you like you're gonna there's gonna be a heel turn here at some point I but I I think you raise a good point that he is someone that is uh, you know probably carries some shame or carries some sort of turmoil within themselves just as anyone who benefits from an oppressive system does you know any person whether it's um like by gender or race by economic class what have you if you benefit from a certain system that oppresses others and and kind of hinges on the oppression of others you likely carry shame and or some sort of problematic or toxic views um that's how these systems stay alive and i think that with august i definitely uh, agree i i felt like there was like an element in him that you know felt shame whether it's from like an individual personal sense or more from like a, a collective sense of you know benefiting from this oppressive system or uh you know returning to an oppressive system where he knows he receives benefit from it um yet he does try i think to do his best and tries to be uh an ally um and to support um the women in their 
in, in finding their safety and in finding their peace. And I actually was um, impressed in Miriam. I don't know if it was like this in the book, but I was impressed by how the film handled his like romantic feelings for mm-hmm. Rooney Mara's character because he is human. Like he does, mm-hmm. he does love this character, but at he, I think very intentionally or like knows if I were to um, be too open about that or if I were to try and enforce that, she might stay here in a place that's clearly an unsafe place in a place where she has experienced a lot of trauma. And so instead he sort of intentionally kind of is like, okay, I just need to process my own stuff and not the hold her back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was kind of happy with how they handled August. Like he was human, but he was trying his best and, and trying mm-hmm. to be better, I think, than, the, than the, the people that came before him. But I don't know if it was like that in the book. Why it, did yeah, that was consistent. They, I don't know, that that's not really called out, but it's, um, but- Maybe it, to teach, maybe he thought he would make a difference. Maybe, that's yeah. what I thought too. I was mm-hmm. like, maybe, he, but imagine coming back to that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm back, they're like, great, start taking notes, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been some changes while you were away. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. I like why oh he's crying God. at the end. He's like, I just came back. Yeah. <laughs> I just got here. I'm surprised he didn't try to go with them. I mm-hmm. honestly thought he would try, but I, I think he like, really understood his place. I think that's remember, but I feel like in the book, they, they, I don't know why I think this is true. Don't quote me on it. I read the book first, um, but I, I feel like he, he did. Or, or if he didn't, then the girls, yeah, missed opportunity. I don't know why I feel like maybe this was just me romanticizing the ending. Like he does end up with, um, with Ona, and they raise her child, who's the product of rape, Mm -hmm. together. Like, I don't know why. Maybe I'm romanticizing it, but um, I I feel I'm now I'm going to Google the book summary, and see if I'm remembering it correctly or not. Because I was like, if you take him with you, if you take him with you, you have education for your girls. You have a male role model for the the young boys that are positive role model. Yeah, yeah. someone who can educate the younger boys coming up. I mean, women can do it themselves, whatever. But like, if you're going in with, I guess they could teach themselves. I never even. That's a good point. I never actually thought about the benefits of if they brought him along. I kind of always was very much like oh yeah it makes sense for him to stay because he can be a a positive uh like actor of change and implement change in the community but yeah that you raise a really good point that they're like if he also if he had gone with him he could have done a lot of good sorry steve did you have your hand yeah, yes, steve. Up. <laughs> you in the back row because <laughs> here's the flip side of that is y'all aren't thinking what's going to happen to august when they leave him behind well, that's I, not. I did. No, but I, did I mean, because he was the there, guy, and there's only one. No, they do. They do leave him behind, even in the book. I guess I just wrote, or I romanticized the idea that they. He's dead. No, no, that's that's what I mean. If this system is so toxic that the men are drugging the women and having their way with them, and you're gonna, and he gets left behind to be an agent of change, mm-hmm. which I'm all for, and I saw that. I mean, this is this is an incredible testament to the idea of enacting that 
do the rest of the men want change? <laughs> no, he's, well, he's certainly not like, safe. No, he's not safe at all. And he took the minutes. He can't even say they overpowered me. Like, they could have taken... And that's why when he was sobbing and he had the gun, I just was like... I was almost angry in that moment. We're like, why aren't you taking this person with you? He is done. He has paid his penance. He has, like... He's done what he needed to do. And you, you're doing this to his mother now. Like, and... So there was this thing where I'm like, you have, there's so many benefits to taking this guy with you. A, you're probably saving his life. B, he can educate and be a role model and maybe increase the population a little bit when you put down to it. Like, sister I'm, wives. Sister wives, hello. Yeah. But wow. I understood like, okay, the women can figure it out. They figured all this out. They can figure out how to read and write and do what they need to do. And they can raise their boys the way they want to be raised in a um matriarchal society but this guy is dead so i hope in my mind at the end of the movie august scampers off and goes back to whatever life he had before he came here like you know (laughs) well well and interesting the author uh miriam taves like she grew up in a mennonite community Hmm. and considers herself a secular mennonite so one of the the comments about her writing the novel is like who better to write about the community than somebody who came from it it is a fictionalized account based on true events but who better to kind of have the pulse on what that could have looked like the manitoba colony in bolivia that's what it yeah and it was 2005 to 2009 and it was over 151 women Mm -hmm. that's like like when you think of how recent that is yeah it's and how long like four years and that's only that's the documented time of that i was just gonna say who's to say like i'm sure other types of abuse or oppression had been happening for who's teaching these men to do this it doesn't just happen overnight no yeah this was going on for way longer and they were using was it was it um cow tranquilizers cow tranquilizers thank yeah you. yeah An- animal horse tranquilizer cow tranquilizer like animal yeah i wonder what the um the lasting health benefit uh, health um not benefits the opposite Side of effects benefits. thank you uh, uh, of you know inducing horse tranquilizer i've noticed an increase in my strength <laughs> <laughs> my ability to walk straight <laughs> and my hair has never been shinier <laughs> my teeth look fantastic yeah. <laughs> they're 10 sizes too big for my mouth <laughs> but yeah sorry yeah, true, yeah, like it, no but but no it, it's such a fair call out too though right like in the film the um the the ruth the the horse mistress her teeth have like they her teeth were knocked out right from the violence and so yeah, she had like fake right. fake teeth she had to put in but mm-hmm. there and must hurting her yeah there must have been some very serious just physiological side effects mm-hmm. yeah definitely I mean look at uh it was Jesse Buckley's character who was severely uh, abused the mm-hmm. night before they left mm-hmm. uh, you know you you can't endure that daily weekly and just be okay you know these women mm-hmm. will be physically traumatized for for ever yeah yeah and as we know the body holds trauma so these mm-hmm. issues cancers wow. like organ issues diabetes all of these things mm-hmm. can be produced from that they can be produced obviously naturally but 
It's crazy. It's funny that you mentioned that, Catherine, because I was just going to say like intergenerational trauma can exist both in in like a, a mental and emotional standpoint, but also from a physical standpoint, because if, you know, someone who has been severely abused, they likely will have some sort of physical repercussions from that, which then in turn affects their ability to parent their children and perhaps provide for their children. And that just kind of gets passed down and passed down. Um, and yeah, the phys physiological impacts as well. Like you said, um, the body holds trauma that um, there was a book by Gabor Mate that I read recently and they were finding significant, statistically significant correlations between people who had, you know, experienced um, either long-term like abuse or long-term stress induced by something in, in their life or had experienced it at a very young age, like a very impactful incident at a very young age. There's like a, a, a significant correlation to things like uh, multiple sclerosis, um, ALS, all sorts of these sort of physiological illnesses. Um, it's, it's yeah like it, any type of trauma or abuse touches so many aspects of a person's life and the following generations mm -hmm. as well so even yeah thinking of that real try or the real group of people um mm. I, it yeah it just it weighs your heart to think of how long had it been going on before someone like we only know recorded for those four years how long wasn't it recorded yeah and, and then we found that and how long are these impacts going to last you know going forward so it's mm -hmm. these movies um are or this movie or in this book are so important because it is putting putting these words to page or putting these words on screen and making it real for people and hopefully has some sort of impact and in, in breaking that like the, that long form chain. Yeah. If you ever want to read a book, that's good. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. I mean, I to read about that. that one too. It's an the excellent Mate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could talk about this all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, you, you reminded me too of, um, there's, there's a childhood trauma index. Mm -hmm. and I can't remember what it's called, but there's like five or six questions. And the more you answer yes to, yeah. the the more like the the barriers to your thriving past childhood. we do that uh we do that at work yeah what's it called Catherine the I, it literally I feel like is like your tra trauma it's like ATSA yes 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 yeah. a oh, oh my god all that's coming to me now is ALS that is not what it is <laughs> but it's here yeah if you answer more than yes to more than a certain amount of questions that you've probably gone through and I was like oh crap because you do it for yourself and it's like oh lord yeah but no this was so good it might remember I told you guys from scream about the rats with that like smell. ace mm. it's ace. ace yes sorry yeah do you remember that scene I was telling you about the rats and the smelling of the that's like, right we were talking about oh that. I was like what are you talking about what are you talking about rats yeah. I, mean, I need right. this backstory what is the so, the rats it's, it's, a, it's actually about trauma and generational trauma in the body because they had these male rats that they kept in a lab and they were testing trauma responses and body response but they would fill they would spray this like perfume type rose kind of smell into the right male rats cage and then electrocute them mm. so that they would get conditioned to whenever they smelt it they um 
became highly aroused and anxious because they were they were expecting that response and then they put them with female rats that hadn't had that happen to them they had babies and the reaction to the scent the trauma response to the scent was seen in both the babies of those rats and the grand grandbabies of those rats and they had never been electrocuted at, even like from birth so that generate so they were like the generational trauma effect on your physi physiologically and psycho psychologically is is there like your grandfather was shocked by this smell and now you haven't you have a a much more subdued as it got lower down but you still have this reaction to it mm -hmm. that's so wild it's so interesting yeah that came from our scream six <laughs> never in my life would i think that we would have some sort of connection between the two wow that's really fascinating Double feature. it came up maybe it was i think it's because we were talking about generational trauma with the yeah. really loomis <laughs> yeah absolutely no honestly i i feel like we could continue to sit here yeah. for hours and and unravel this piece there's so much to it and i think that's really the beauty of it as well um I, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up though. Everybody, thank you so much. What an incredible conversation. This has been amazing. Um, again, Steve, Kat, Miriam, Jolie, thank you so much. Um, and I, I gotta say it, we started the conversation. This is Screamfish. Yeah. <laughs>